Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Blessings, everyone, and happy Sunday. Glad you're joining us today. You know, this month we're using Pam Grout's book called E-Cubed to talk through some, uh, well, sort of scientific experiments to prove that spiritual principles actually can work in your life. Last week we looked at the what she called the Simon Cowell Challenge to see if we could begin judging ourselves and others less with the idea that, that judgment is one of those things that not only is... Uh, well, kind of mean-spirited to other people, but it actually diminishes our own sense of happiness and joy. And in particular, we were challenged to see if we could reverse an area of self-judgment, a place where we had judged ourselves short. Our goal of the week was to see if we could reverse that by peering out into the world, seeking the opposite, seeing an affirmation that that quality that we desired to see in ourselves actually exists. Well, for me, I did take the challenge, and I got to tell you, uh, my challenge was to reverse my idea that exercise and I just don't get along. If you'll remember, I talked a little bit about my aversion to physical activity. And I got to tell you, by seeking that out in the world this week, I found a couple of different ways of exercise that I actually enjoy. So it worked for me. And, and I invite anyone who took the Simon Cowell Challenge maybe to post your results on our Facebook Live broadcast today. It'd be kind of fun to check in and see how other people did. So if last week we covered the antidote to judgment, today we're going to talk about something kind of different. Has anyone ever thought of yourselves as a fortune teller before? Has anyone thought that you actually are a modern prophet? Well, to get us started, I I managed to find a joke about a prophet, the prophet Elijah. So the Sunday school teacher was carefully explaining the story of Elijah the prophet and the false prophets of Baal. She explained how Elijah built the altar, put the wood upon it, cut a steer into pieces for offering, and laid it upon the altar. The teacher was explaining how Elijah was showing everyone the power of truly having faith in God. Because although they were in a a three-and-a-half-year drought, Elijah commanded the people to fill four barrels of water and pour it over the altar. And then he had them do it four additional times, vastly draining the supplies of water for the people. Now, said the teacher, can anyone in the class tell me why God would have Elijah keep pouring water over the steer on the altar? Well, a little girl in the back of the room raised her hand with great enthusiasm. I bet he was making gravy, she said. So being a prophet in our own time about our own lives is worth talking about today. And I think the place I want to start is a a quote from the book. This is from Pam Grout's E-Cubed. And she says, if you want a glimpse into your very own future, listen to the words you use to describe yourself and your life right now. When you say things like, this is going to be a great day, or things just seem to work out for me, you are using your words to prophecy a positive future. 
However, she says, most of us, instead of utilizing this magic potion of our words, throw them around carelessly like confetti at a party. And then she gives some negative examples. It's flu season. She says, I've tried every diet out there and I still can't lose weight. And the last example she has is, I'm such an idiot. What was I thinking? And so the problem with being a, a, what do I want to say, a soothsayer in your own life is, of course, we have to watch then what we're saying. And a lot of times I would guess, if you're like me, you're not even aware of what's coming out of your mouth, let alone what's going on in your head. Uh, Because, of course, this works not only just what verbally comes out of our mouth, but even our minds are creative. Even the self-talk that we have that we never actually put out into the world has this same effect of predicting our future based on what we're saying and thinking right now. Well, I did a little research that I want to share with you, and uh, I think it's one of those good news and bad news stories. So let's start with the not-so-good news. This is a 2005 study using MRI imaging of the human brain to try to figure out how many thoughts we have every day. They found, this is from the National Science Foundation, they found that the average person has somewhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts per day. And then they also, as they were recording the activity in the MRI, they were trying to have people classify whether their thoughts were negative, whether they were positive, and so on. And they discovered, unfortunately, that 80% of the thoughts that we have every day tend to be negative, tend to, to find that, that one thing that's going wrong out of a sea of things that are maybe going right. That one problem in our life we tend to, to fixate on, despite all the good that's going on around us. The other sobering thought is that, and here they could tell because the neurons firing in the brain, if they actually did the same patterns, they knew people were having repeat thoughts. Guess what? of our thoughts are repetitive. That one, I have to admit, I had to sit down when I read that one. 95% of our thoughts are thoughts that we've had before, thoughts that are repetitive. And so uh, have you ever heard someone describe that their mind is a little bit like one of those squirrel cages with a squirrel running around in it where, where sometimes we're sort of fixated on something or, or sometimes it, uh, certain ideas or ways of thinking, we just can't get them out of our head, like a little worry, a little itch that has to be scratched. Well, Pam Grout would say, this is all fine and good, If we're repeating something that we want, if we're repeating something that's positive, if we really are predictive, if we really are that that soothsayer of what's going to happen in our life, and if it's based on our thinking now, if it's based on what we say and what we believe right now, she would say, oh my gosh, maybe it's time to be thinking more positively. Well, let me give you a personal example of the repetitive thoughts anyway. So when I was a a kid growing up at the beach, usually once a quarter we would drive into Portland to visit our great aunt. My great aunt was an interesting person. She was one of those people, 
Well, first of all, she just said what was on her mind, and that had its pluses and her minuses, if you know what I mean. She wasn't one to hold anything back. But the other thing about my dear Aunt Emma was that she never stopped talking. So not, not only did you know what was on her mind, you literally knew everything that was on her mind. And I still remember being scolded one time in the car as we were driving up to Portland. I said, is she going to tell us those same stories? Is she going to tell us about how she lost her job in the Great Depression? Is she going to tell us the story again about how her husband left her and her daughter? You know, are we going to hear those same stories again? And I still remember my mother saying, well, you know, those events have colored her entire life. And I think she's just stuck in a bad recording. And I can still remember those words because it seemed to be true for my great aunt. It seemed that the more she would talk about things, the weight of those events were still very real for her, still coloring her life still. When she would talk about that husband that had sort of abandoned her and my cousin, I remember you could tell she was feeling it right as though it were then, although it was 60 years later, well, gosh, maybe 70 years later, she was pretty elderly. And so I'm thinking that Pam Grout probably has something pretty accurate going on here when she says that how we are today literally predicts how we're apt to be in the future. So if we've got our thoughts on repeat, if that's just a a common thing that our brain does, how can we perhaps come out with a positive of this? How can the knowledge that our brains tend to repeat things actually turn out well for us? Well, my suggestion, first of all, is to be a good gardener. Some of you know that we have a lovely garden at home. My partner and I spend some time out in the yard and enjoy plants. and, And every now and then, when we bring a new plant into the yard, our discussion is around, okay, so what has to go? There's there's only so much room for new plants. And I would say the same thing is maybe true when we're looking at tending to the garden of our own thinking. If we want new thoughts, if we want to improve our thinking, what has got to go? We actually have to make room for it in those twelve to 80,000 thoughts a day. If we don't actually consciously make a change in that thinking, those repeat cycles are going to just keep bringing forth the old troubles, the old exceptions, the old ways of being. And that will be the prophecy, if you will, for what we get to experience tomorrow. So one of the things that Pam Grout suggests, first of all, is to make room, we simply need to stop the negative, repetitive thinking. And she has a a bit of a thought for you. She says, when you notice yourself in a negative rumination, or when you notice yourself complaining about something, just simply stop. She recommends taking just a deep breath to put yourself on pause for a moment, just to reflect, there I go again, no big deal, I don't need to shame myself, but in that pause, we evaluate the idea of what we were about to say or what we're thinking. Is this what I want to see in my future? Is this repetitive negative thought If that is predictive, if that is the vision of my future, 
is that what I want to be thinking? And that's what occurs during that pause. Then she recommends to just say, 97% of my worries and my thoughts are baseless. And you know what? It's true. That was the other thing I found out in my little research on brain science. So this was uh, something from the Cornell University in 2005. Scientists found that 85% of what we worry about never happens. 85% of what we worry about never happens. And secondly, with the 15% of the worries we have that did come to fruition, nearly all of them we felt were resolved appropriately. And so the conclusion of the survey is that 97% of our worries are totally baseless. Of all those repetitive thoughts you have, and especially the troublesome ones, especially the ones that, that just bug the heck out of you, the chances are almost zero that that worry is going to have any meaningful impact on your life other, other than to be the prophecy of more worries to come. So let us stop that worry. Let us stop that complaint. Let us stop that idea that somehow thinking about things in a negative way will produce any kind of positive result. The brain scientists say no. All of the great philosophers say no. And for what it's worth, I say no as well. Negative rumination will just literally bring more negativity in your life. Again, that method is we stop, we take a breath, and during that breath, we just say, oopsie, there I go again. There's the problem. And then instead, you can say to yourself, 97% of my thoughts and worries are simply baseless. And then if you want to continue with a positive affirmation, maybe tell yourself, my life is good. Life in general is grand. Nearly everything in my life, totally in perfection. Just remind yourself of the many, many blessings that you already have. We've set up, if you will, a little bit of a mental trap, a little bit of a way of reminding ourselves, wait a minute, that, that one or two percent of things that could be improved upon, that's not the story of my life. And I certainly don't want that to be the story of my future. Instead... Instead, I'm going to count the blessings that are around me right now. I'm going to stop the complaint before it comes out of my mouth. I'm going to stop the negative rumination as it circles around in my brain like that squirrel in the cage. I'm just going to stop it. Pause. Remind myself there's no purpose here. 97% of these negative kind of thoughts serve no purpose whatsoever. My life, truly a blessing. My life, part of the sweetness and the goodness of this universe. I will deal with the negative things as they arise, certainly. And research shows I'll probably be very successful at dealing with them. And so do I need to worry about them now? Not really. Not really. Well, here's what we've covered today. 
we've learned that we can be our own prophet. Now, remember, this is the good news and the bad news because we're prophesying exactly what we're going to find out tomorrow and the day after. And if it's a good prophecy, we're in charge. And if it's a negative prophecy, we're equally in charge. You get to choose. The other thing that we've learned is the repetitive nature in our brains. Our brains, without any particular volition on our part, will tend to repeat and repeat and repeat the stuff going going on. Here's where we need to be good gardeners of the the thoughts growing in our brain. If they're going to be on repeat, let's repeat some of the good news. Let's repeat some of the happiness stories. Let's repeat from our past and the present, the things that are delightful, the things that make our hearts sing, the things that bring people together, and the, the things that have brought us delight. Let that be what is circling in our minds. And then the prophecy, right? The prophecy is sunshine and beauty. So that's our recommendation. We've also learned that worry is 97% useless and that stopping negative thought patterns like worry is the most effective way to change our future for the better. All right, well, I have uh, some homework for you. You knew it. So today's challenge from the book, we're calling it the Stop Talking Smack Challenge. And the idea here is so often as we're out and about, what comes out of our mouth? It's pure trash. It's pure smack. It's like, how ugly is that dog? How long is this line at the supermarket, right? Don't we tend to find ourselves complaining about the silliest things, the things that really have very little meaning in our life? And so Pam Grout says the Stop Talking Smack Challenge is one of catching yourself right before you say something negative out loud, either a complaint or a, or a disparagement of someone else or yourself, you're going to stop yourself and instead you're going to say, I give thanks for this wonderful day. I love my life. And so as we're talking this week, some of us uh, I know I'll be on Zoom calls with and things like that. I expect to hear people now and then say, I give thanks for this wonderful day. (laughs) I love my life. Because what I know is we're going to be stopping ourselves from talking smack, from, from complaining, from bringing other people down, from diminishing our own sense of power. So that's the homework. Stop talking smack. And if you'd like, make some notes along the way. It'll be interesting to see if by the end of the week, you're not beginning to see that prophecy of your life actually improving. That's my guess. That's my hope, is that just through doing this, even for a few days, you will begin noticing the difference. Well, I want to close today with a final quote from E-Cubed and a prayer. She says, if we continue to proclaim that we're tired and run down, that we don't have any energy, we can certainly create that particular future. But instead of complaining, isn't it wiser to complain? I'm strong. I'm full of energy. My vitality is being renewed. The more we talk about being tired, the more tired we become. The more we persist in telling everybody how depressed we are, the more depressed we get. The more we talk about being overweight and out of shape, well, I don't have to spell it out for you. I don't even want to say it, she says. Don't talk about the way you are. 
talk about the way you would choose to be. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is one life, one joy. There is only this one thing called spirit, and we're living in the middle of it, and it is living through us. And so the joy of God can be my joy. The the peace and the love of God can be mine to, to have and experience and share. The beauty of the universe is mine to observe. The abundance of the universe is mine to use. Everything that God is and God has is part of me. I am simply a a centralized, a, a unique and personalized version of spirit, as is everyone. And so for this day, from this place of complete unity, I know that there's a willingness to shift our experience of the world out of complaint and into blessings, out of talking smack and instead holding up the desire that we have for the future in our brain right now. We, we picture ourselves living in beauty and luxury. We, we sense the love of the world around us and the love that we have from each other. And, and there is the place from which we speak. We speak of joy, of peace, of love, of happiness. And as these are our words, so it is. So our life improves. So the, the love that we speak turns into love that we can feel. The joy that we claim becomes that future joy for each one of us. As we celebrate the good in our lives, the good increases. And so I'm grateful for this awareness, grateful for this incredible power that we have, both over our thinking and over our speech, but literally as we prophesy our our own lives, as we become our own fortune tellers here, knowing that the future is laid out based on what I'm thinking right now. Based on this, I give great thanks. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. So thank you for joining us today. Now is our time of conscious contribution. I know many of you online are maybe going to our website at cslportland.org slash donate to make a donation. Some of you are, are using tithely to maybe text us a donation. However you choose to contribute to the Portland Center for Spiritual Living, your gifts are so welcome. And I invite you, if you'd like, just to repeat after me, graciously we give from a place of love, knowing that as we give, so do we greatly receive. Thank you so much for your tithes and offerings today. Before we close, a couple announcements. One, I just want to mention that we have full prayer support available for everyone. It would truly be our honor. And when I say we, I mean the entire body of practitioners. We have 12 practitioners here. When you submit a prayer request online, it automatically goes to all 12 of us, and it's our honor to pray for you throughout the week. You can take advantage of that at cslportland.org. At the bottom of every page of our website is a link to lead you through completing a prayer request, and truly it's our honor. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Portland Center for Spiritual Living. Simply know that you are loved. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.